John 13, beginning at verse 1. This is God's holy and infallible word. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That's God's word to us this morning. We read it was just... Before Passover, Jesus' time had come, and that means this is just before Jesus went to the cross. So we're in what the church has come to call Passion Week, and we're going to stay there in the sermons, by the way, for the upcoming Sundays leading up to Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter in a few weeks. We're going to walk together step by step from here to the cross with the help of the Gospel of John, starting especially tonight with Pastor Matthew in the message, and then for the, all the upcoming worship services, morning and evening. And so here, the cross was near. We're reminded what Jesus' life, Jesus' work, Jesus' upcoming sacrifice was all about in our text. Did you catch it? Love. Of the many themes that come out in the Gospel of John, love is a huge one, and that actually carries through to the letters this disciple wrote, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. So much about the love of God, loving others. We read here, Jesus now showed the disciples the full extent of his love 
And that's such an amazing little phrase, if you let that sink in. The full, he showed them the full extent of his love. And boy, that makes me say, wow. And that makes me think, that's what I want. That's what I need. How about you? The full extent of the love of Jesus. He shows that to his disciples here and to his disciples today, you and me, his followers. How can we have that? How can we experience it? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about for a little bit this morning and share with the help of the Lord. Disciples who are experiencing the full extent of Christ's love, first of all, they receive from the Master. They receive from the Master. And this is what Peter had to learn in our text. What happened here was really closely connected with the cross and Jesus' sacrifice. It was about the foot washing, but even more, Jesus showing the full extent of his love that we read here in verse 1, it introduces what we read, but it's actually an introductory statement to the whole rest of the Gospel of John. Because from here on out, we're going to be going into Jesus' betrayal. We see foreshadowings of that here in the talk about Judas, his suffering, his death, and then, of course, his resurrection. Because, of course, the full extent of Jesus' love is shown in the cross. That's where we see it. In the place where Jesus went to die for our sins, where he paid the price for our transgressions, where he sacrificed himself for us. The foot washing is especially pointing us to that. The water, the washing away of the dirt, It's a picture of the blood of Jesus that would wash away our sins. And so accepting Jesus' washing at that dinner, in that room, at that night, was an accepting of Jesus' love and sacrifice that was to come. And Peter wasn't getting it. Jesus comes along to wash his feet. The other disciples are silent throughout this. Peter, very typically, just speaks what's on his mind. You know, you know people like that. Maybe you're one of them. People that don't filter their thoughts. That's Peter, right? That's Peter. Instead of quietly receiving from the master, like the other disciples, trusting that just maybe Jesus knows what he's doing here, Peter blurts out what's on his mind. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, in effect, Peter, trust me. I know you don't get it now, but you will. And Peter would get it after Jesus' death and resurrection. But here, he's not getting it yet. Peter pushes back. He says, no, Lord, never And then Jesus says, unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. And in that, we see more clearly what's going on. And and we can see it 
We can't be too hard on Peter. We can see it better because we're on the other side of the cross. To belong to Jesus, to have a part in Him, we must be washed in His blood, cleansed. We must believe in Him and accept His saving work. Peter definitely wants to be a part of Jesus. But his response is overkill. He goes way to the other extreme. He wants now his whole body washed. And then it's a little bit odd to us. Why does Jesus say if you need a bath, you only need to have your feet washed because then your whole body is clean? Because that seems odd to us. It's odd for me. I know for a fact if I were only to clean my feet, the rest of my body would not be clean yet. I've got to clean the rest of it too. There are two things we got to understand. One, in that culture, that was all that needed to happen when you entered a home as a guest for dinner. When your feet were cleaned, you were good to go. You entered the home, you had dinner. Second, again, this is pointing us to the picture here, the symbolism that this is also about Jesus washing away our sins. That's also what's going on here. And when you're washed by Jesus, you're washed, period. When we receive from the Master, then we're completely cleansed of all our sin and stains. He takes away all of the dirt. As Peter would come to the point of accepting this and understanding it, the invitation is for you and me too to come to the point that he needed to come to in order to experience the full extent of Christ's love. You know, if there's one thing that people out there who don't belong to the church seem to be okay with about Jesus, about God, that's when we as Christians talk about love. Everybody's good with love. Everybody would agree we need more love. We need to love each other. We need to love people who are different from us. But not everyone gets this. Not everyone wants to hear about the avenue to get this love. Everyone loves love, but the avenue toward the love, that's a different thing, and it's through receiving from the Master, and it's the only way. True love that pretty much everybody likes to talk about and would say, hey, we got to love others. True love is not something that just everybody has. Real love is not something that you just automatically have access to. The Bible tells us it comes through the blood of Jesus. It's through His sacrifice. And and then that means the church must continue to proclaim to the world the crucial centerpiece of love. And the centerpiece of love is the atonement of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Without the atonement, guess what? You don't get love 
or at least you don't get real, lasting, true, deep love. The way to experience the full extent of Christ's love, which is the love of God, is to receive from him his gift of life and love. And I encourage you and I invite you to receive this love from the Master this very day if you have not done so yet. Secondly, this morning, disciples who are experiencing the full extent of Christ's love use their power, they use what they've received to serve other people, to serve others. Jesus says this about as clearly clearly as you possibly can in verse 15. That it's not only about receiving from him. That's the first step. Then after the foot washing, Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I have set you this as an example. So this is an example for us. The question is, what's the example? Is it to foot wash? I really, really hope not. I'm not a big fan of feet. I kind of try to keep mine hidden. Uh, Sarah and I actually, uh, we joke about it, that I have, I have a pair of sandals, but they're what we call pastor's sandals. And that's where the toes don't show. They're kind of covered up. And that's probably too much information. We, I don't want to talk too much more about feet, but our text is about feet. So, but if this was to be a lasting ordinance of the church that Jesus set up, you know what? Even if it was tough for me, I would do it. But the reality is, the church did not go on to take Jesus' words in verses 14 and 15 as that. Because this was really a very particularly Middle Eastern practice. And the meaning of it doesn't really translate, the doing of it doesn't really translate to us today. The call is to be servants. Because what Jesus did was a servant's job. For this dinner, the disciples were among peers, equals. And as a result, no one stepped up to wash feet. Wearing sandals in that warm climate of ancient Israel, walking on dusty roads, it was usually the first thing that happened when he walked into a home. The dust and grime would need to be washed off. Here, there's no servant, so it doesn't get done until Jesus, the teacher, does it. In those days, Jesus was called a rabbi. He was a rabbi. There were more rabbis around, and rabbis had disciples. In those days, a rabbi's disciples would do all sorts of different tasks to serve their rabbi. But even then, a disciple would never wash his rabbi's feet. That was one of the tasks that was just for the lowly servants. So here, the rabbi washes the feet. And that's why Peter got worked up. It's absolutely outrageous. No one had ever seen anything like it. Jesus humbly served. And verse 3 puts what Jesus did in a remarkable context. 
Remember what verse 3 said? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. The Father was giving Him all authority and glory and dominion and power right at the spot where we're reminded He's getting all the power of the universe. He does this. All His power, all the power of God Himself. What would you do if you received that? Or what do you do if even you get a little bit of power? What do we do? He used all of that to be a servant. Took off his outer clothing. Stooped down. Washed those stinky feet. He did it for us. And he says, I've done this as an example. means we're called to do the same. Whatever power we have, whether it's resources like our money, our talents, our position, we, his disciples today, use that to serve. What might that look like in our lives, do you think? The answer to that is, is really on each one of us to be in prayer about it, to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I have a couple thoughts. We celebrated a wedding here yesterday at Faith. When you think of the husband-wife relationship, who has the power? Well, it's the man. In most cases, he is physically bigger stronger, can have that loud, booming voice. That's the power person in that relationship. The Bible says to husbands, use that power. Not for control, not for selfish reasons, not to lord it over the weaker wife and children, but to serve your family, to love them, I think of these new Stephen ministers we're going to commission today in just a little bit. They've received many weeks of training. They've been empowered. They've been empowered with that training and learning. And they're going to now use what they've received to help others who are in a time of weakness. It's wonderful. It's what Jesus is describing. And we could give example after example of power that you've been given, whether it's emotional strength, certain resources, musical talent, business savvy, the ability to make money, being good relationally with people. Maybe it's skill with technology or mechanical things or or other things with your hands, fixing things. Well, we, we bend down in love and service and we use what we have for others, for those in need. Just think of it once. For every Christian, I was talking about specific gifts and talents, but regardless of specific gifting, 
There is power for living when you receive Jesus and you're washed in his blood. Every Christian gets power, freedom from fear, confidence and courage in the Lord, joy, assurance, comfort, satisfaction. All stuff that the world cannot give you in any lasting measure. And so you see, all believers are in a position of power, biblically and spiritually speaking. And from that position, we reach out to those who need the power of God expressed in the love of Jesus. Third and finally, disciples recognize that this is what the mission of the church is all about. We had Mission Emphasis Week at Faith the last two Sundays. Many of you here were, were here the last two weeks. We heard some good things going on in the world and in communities nearby us that we partner with, and that's great. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but when you hear stuff like we did about the church dying in North America the church growing and thriving in the global south and Africa and South America and all that, it could be a little depressing because it can make you think, well, what about us? And I was left with that thought, especially after last Sunday morning's message. I was amazed and so thankful that we heard what missionaries are doing in places, how the church is growing, but What about us? Do we have anything left to do? Do we have a mission as a church in the west suburbs of Chicago? And the answer is, of course we do. Yes. Jesus gave his church the great commission in Matthew 28, and that continues to be the calling of God's people everywhere. We talk here at Faith CRC about those three E's, experiencing God's word, expressing God's love, equipping God's people. Our detailed mission statement that you can get in the back at the Welcome Center or read online describes all about what each one of those E's means day to day in the life of the church for our worship, our ministries, our kingdom living, So much that we are doing, so much for us to do, and Jesus sent his Holy Spirit after all the events we read about in John, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower the church so we can actually do all the stuff he's called us to do. And what we read about right here in this passage today It's right at the core of it all. This highlights our mission. We receive from the master to give to others. Look at what Jesus says in verse 16. No servant is greater than his master, and then, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So that's talking about us being sent Us being messengers. That sounds like missional language to me. We are messengers. We are given a message 
And Jesus shows us the message here. A message, of course, involves words. And Jesus taught a lot. And John, especially, is filled with Jesus' teachings, even more than the other Gospels. And so we teach Jesus' word, the Bible. The church proclaims the Gospel. We personally share our faith with our words whenever there's opportunity. We want people to experience God's word. But we also talk about love and service. The message of the Christian, the mission of the church, is also very much about our lives. Paul talks about us being living letters in 2 Corinthians. The message here in our verses that Jesus gives us to repeat is to love and serve others. It's loving and serving action. You don't have to feel guilty about not being a missionary in Africa or not going to seminary. Though some of you, the Lord, may be calling to such things, and that would be fantastic. You don't have to feel guilty if you don't go down neighborhoods door-to-door with pamphlets. I have no doubt that there's a place for that. But for most of us, day by day, living our lives, most of the time, it's about what Jesus gives us as an example to do right here. Using what we've received from Jesus to serve others. And as Jesus says in verse 17, when we know this, we will be blessed. This lifestyle, that's the way to live. It's the path to blessing. It's, this blessing isn't the same as worldly happiness. Blessing is a deep-rooted satisfaction that only happens in a living relationship with the Lord. And it's a satisfaction that you can have. It's one that we can have as a faithful church altogether. So we're called to receive from the Master and we're called to use what we've been given to serve others in love. That's our mission. That's our message. And then God will bring the blessing, I believe. Amen. Let's pray.